Welcome to the Radio Bible Course and our study of Galatians. Today we are in chapter 5, beginning with 19. The three verses coming up, beginning with verse 19, have been referred to as an X-rated list. It tells us that these are the works of the flesh, and they are not pretty. Now, leading into this discussion, Paul has been comparing walking by the Spirit with gratifying the desires of the flesh. And if someone should ask, what is the remedy for a Christian living a sinful life? Paul's answer would be, walk by the Spirit. Now listen to how he leads into this list of the works of the flesh. He said, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here comes the list. Now, the works of the flesh are plain. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 19, Paul says, The desires of the flesh are obvious or plain. They're easily recognized as having their origin in the human will, and they all tend to satisfy the evil nature. The first three out of these 15 sins in this list, the first three are related to sexual abuses. First of all, we have fornication, impurity, licentiousness. Fornication is sexual immorality in our newer translations. It's the word pornea in Greek, from which we get pornography. It's also translated adultery in some translations, but whatever you call it, it is illegitimate sex. The Greek word here signifies physical pleasure that is bought and sold to satisfy lust and passion. It's far different from love in marriage, where two persons live in union with each other, each fulfilling the other, instead of satisfying oneself. Keep in mind that love means doing good for someone else at your expense, and there is no love in sexual immorality. The first century was a very corrupt time in the world, as the 20th century is. Yet believers in that first century were asked by the inspired apostles to live in purity, sexual purity. The apostle John might have had this very sin in mind when he wrote in his first epistle, much later in history, of course. He wrote 1 John 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope 
fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. I'm sure John had in mind here that the appearing of Jesus Christ would contribute to the purity of the believer. Certainly, if we thought Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow, we might not be living like we are living today. The return of Jesus Christ is a sobering thought, and believers in the first century needed to be reminded of what Jesus said. He promised to come back to get them. Now, Paul the Apostle, in his epistle to the Ephesians in chapter 5, was concerned about immorality, and he wrote, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. When Christians begin to associate with the sinful people of the world, they often act like them. Now, I don't believe in separating myself completely from those who do not believe. Otherwise, we could not have any influence upon them. But immorality was a great problem, and I don't like to hang around immoral people. It's dangerous. The next two words in the list here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 also are related to sex. We have impurity and licentiousness. Impurity can mean any kind of unchastity and moral impurity. Certainly, pornography falls under this classification. In the Old Testament, the Greek version of the Old Testament, this word was used to describe ritual and ceremonial impurity, which condition excluded a person from temple worship. That's how serious impurity is. Such persons could not approach God, and this tells us how offensive this sin is to God. As concerning licentiousness, this is excessive indulgence in sexual pleasure, including eating and drinking. While fornication is specific sin, licentiousness refers to general defilement of the whole person. It describes a love of sin so excessive that a man no longer even cares what man or God thinks of it. In the New Testament, this word licentiousness is linked with sexual excesses, and it means readiness to indulge in any pleasure. It respects no one else, and it is indifferent to the standards of decency or public opinion. Paul wrote so specifically about these sins because of the culture from which he wanted Christians to be separated. These sins described the engrossment in sexual sins of the Greek and Roman worlds. Jesus did not become a part of that world about him. He was different, so the believer is called upon to be different. Jesus came when the sin was at its worst. For centuries, infidelity had been a common practice, and most men in the first century had mistresses. The Athenian orator Demosthenes, who lived in the fourth century B.C., wrote this, which is a reflection of society. He said, We keep mistresses for pleasure. 
concubines for the needs of the body. But we have wives in order to produce children legitimately and to have a trustworthy guardian of our homes. And that New Testament scholar William Barclay said the one completely new virtue which the Christian faith brought to the world was sexual purity. The first century world had no strong opinion against immorality and even pagan religions promoted religious prostitution. Those of you who have studied the Corinthian epistle or read about it, remember that there was a temple of Aphrodite in Corinth which had 1,000 priestesses. And those priestesses were nothing more than prostitutes, religious prostitutes. It's surprising with all that is written in the New Testament epistles about sexual purity that men who claim to be serving God and have radio and TV ministries and are well known throughout this area and throughout the country participate in these gross sins of sexual immorality. Now the first three deeds here express rebellion against God's standards and holiness through sex. The next two are rebellion against God by association with other powers. Listen to verse 20 for the next two. Idolatry and sorcery. Now, idolatry was practiced by pagans. It was often sensual. Of all the powers related to human growth, sex seems to be the strongest. And it became associated with worship among those who rejected what can be known of God. And those in history who rejected the revelation of the living God often fell into gross immorality. That's what Paul was describing in Romans chapter 1 when he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now God responds to that kind of thing. And so Paul continues in verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. And for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural sexual perversion is described there. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, 
men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Sexual perversion is often the result of rejecting God's truth. And if it isn't perversion, it is immorality, to be sure. Along with idolatry, there was sorcery, and this can mean witchcraft. The Greek word here is pharmakia, from which we get pharmacy. It implied the use of drugs, first to poison people, then to alter one's mood or mind. Greek writers use this word pharmakia as a synonym for magic and witchcraft. You see, in the sorcery, drugs were used along with incantations to occult powers. The extent of magic in the first century culture is revealed in Acts 19.19. It tells us that many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. No one in Galatia missed Paul's point. He wanted those Christians to understand that if they did not walk by the Spirit, they might imitate those who were walking by the flesh. How would you answer this question? Is it necessary for a person to confess his sins before God will give him eternal life? This question is fully discussed in our free booklet entitled Heaven's Password. Write for your copy today. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.